You're listening to The Mom Inspired Show, episode 196 with Shannon Carpenter. Welcome to The Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, I'm super excited to have Shannon on the show. If you missed the first two episodes of this series, make sure to check it out. But you can start with today first because this is the first part of Shannon's um series, I guess. So um, if you missed the first two, we had Erin Barry on the show and she kind of just shared her experience, what that looked like, some advice, some tips, and just some thoughts on what to do with homeschooling, how to make it less overwhelming and whatnot. And Shannon's kind of do the same, um, but she's going to put her spin on it. She's going to give us a little bit different information. Um, I wanted it to be slightly different, but also wanting to just see what it's like for two different moms. So make sure you listen to both because I feel like they both bring so much value. Um, So again, if you missed the first two episodes, make sure to check that out after this episode. And if you guys have friends that are really struggling trying to figure out the homeschooling thing, please share this episode and the series with your friends. I know that um, a lot of schools are trying to figure out what to do if they should go into school, if they are going to do remote learning we may all get just forced to some degree to do remote learning, even if that's not what we want to do. Um, so I feel like even if you're not just picking your own curriculum and doing the traditional homeschooling, these episodes are very valuable because they walk you through on how they set up their day, how they do things, how they stay organized and all that kind of stuff. Um, Shannon, one thing that I liked about her, now granted, if we're doing remote learning and um, we don't really have the choice on how we're going to teach the kids. Um, we may not be able to do this exactly the same way. But one thing that I liked is that she only has one computer and then she kind of rotates the kids because one of the things that I was saying that was really challenging for me with the two girls is trying to manage their computers. And if one thing broke and then I had to fix it and then there's all these wires and all that kind of stuff. So if you only have one computer, you may not even have the option of having multiple computers. Um, I thought this was a great way. I know some of the school systems are going to try to give out like Chromebooks and stuff like that. That's what our school system is trying to move to so that kids do have something because there were kids that did not have any access to a computer or internet, which caused a huge problem um, back in the spring. So anyway, please share the series with people because I think people are feeling super overwhelmed right now. They don't know what to do. And all I can say is let's show kindness to everyone and grace because everyone is trying to make the best decision for their family. And really it comes down to your family and you knowing your family and what you need to do best. So just trust that people are trying to do the best for their kids. And it may look very different than what you're doing. Um, but just remember, we're all wanting to be good moms and good parents. And we're just doing the best with the information that we have. So I hope you guys feel inspired and um uplifted, and I hope you feel encouraged listening to this episode. Welcome back to my favorite things segment. So today, because we're doing a series, I kind of like to talk about some things that I have talked about in the past, just because it brings on new people that have not heard me talk before. And for those of you that know me, you know that I love Enneagram and I have had the Enneagram coach on um, my show before. And I just love kind of, you know, knowing personalities and trying to understand it better and um, trying to guess what your kids are and your husband and all that kind of stuff um, to kind of see why people tick, right? And so if you don't know what your Enneagram number is, you can easily take um, a free quiz and I'm going to put that in the show notes. Um, but if you do know your number and you're trying to figure out um, 
you're just trying to figure out yourself more. Like maybe you're thinking, I'm going to homeschool my children and um, it'd be really good if I understood myself better. Hey, maybe you want your kids to take a quiz so you can figure out what number they are uh, so that you can help them um, succeed and, you know, just kind of live their life to their fullest, right? Knowing where do they fall in their numbers and stuff like that and what their weaknesses and what their strengths are. Um, This might be something really fun for you guys to do. Um, If you missed the episodes with Beth McCord, she's the Instagram coach. um, You can find that at episode 90, 91, 92, and 130. I talk about um, the workplace with Instagram. I talk about kids with Instagram, and I talk about um, couples with Instagram. So it's really great, um, a fun resource and all that kind of stuff. And like I said, you can take her free quiz. I'll put that in the show notes. Um, And I also wanted to say that if you have not taken her course, I've done this and I love it. Um, I would highly recommend there are a couple. So there's Discovering You course and Exploring You course. And so it just really kind of helps you learn more about yourself so that you can strengthen your relationships and be that better mom and wife that you always want to be and just kind of have a better understanding of yourself. Um, there is no better time to understand yourself than now because I feel like this is such a mental game being stuck at home, you know, still trying to like not get out and do things like we used to and, you know, being home more and all that kind of stuff. So I would highly recommend doing these courses. And then if you wanted to do something fun with your husband, because maybe you're not going on the date nights like you used to, or you're not traveling like you used to, I would highly recommend um, taking the Becoming Us course. And there is a free marriage assessment um, to get the ball rolling. Um, So again, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes. But lastly, if you kind of been like kicking the ball around and you really know Enneagram front and back, and you're just been thinking about maybe becoming a coach. Um, Bath has such a great program on becoming a coach and it's 12 weeks. The program is 12 weeks long and um, there isn't a quiz that you can take and it's only five minutes and it kind of helps you to figure out like if this might be a good fit for you. Um, I know so many people feel lost right now. And so we need coaches out there, really great coaches um, that know Enneagram and can really help people out. So if you haven't heard me talk about my favorite thing segments before, um, all these links will be in the show notes. But if you subscribe to the Mom Inspired Show, you will have all of this in your inbox every week. So you don't have to go searching for my favorite thing segments ever again. So make sure you go to mominspiredshow.com. Just enter your name and email and that way it will all be at your fingertips. And my favorite things show up with um, my show notes for the episode. So again, you don't have to remember when is my new podcast airing for that week. It is Tuesdays, um, but it just shows up in your inbox every week. So it's really great. Also, I wanted to let you know, if you're looking at the show notes, I am finding this, that if you're looking at the show notes in a podcast player of some kind, the links are not always showing up. So again, this is why I highly recommend just subscribing to my email list. And that way it's always there. You can click the links, um, but you can also find it on my website at mominspiredshow.com. If you just go to each episode, it is in the show notes. So there's been a glitch and I don't know why we're not able to click to it. So hopefully it will get fixed, but I just wanted to let you guys know if you were having issues looking at it through a podcast player like Apple or um, Pocket Cast and so on. All right, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed this episode and I hope that it really just kind of encourages you to know that you can do homeschooling and you can make this a great year, even if you are only homeschooling for this year, just to get us through COVID and everything like that. But just know that you can do this. Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I like to ask 
icebreaker questions about travel. Um, in the past, I've liked asking my guests what their favorite vacation spot has been um, because I am a travel agent and I just love finding out where people have been and why they love it. Um, but since, you know, COVID and all that, I did decide to change things up. So I've been asking people, where is the place that you really want to go to um, when we can start really traveling? And this can be with or without kids. <laughs> well, right now we are supposed to be in Hawaii. Oh. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so that's where you'd like our- to be. <laughs> yes. That would be the first place that would come to my mind. Although the restrictions are so restrictive that yes. I'm not sure we're going to actually make it. Um, yeah. So my second choice, probably if Hawaii doesn't work we've, you know, changed our trip to October would be to go, um, back to Lake Tahoe. That's kind of our second home, just love it there. And it's actually in our County. So there's not a lot of, um, challenges that we might face that we're not already used to, Mm. um, with the situation, the way it is. Right. Um, do you go to the South side of Tahoe? Yes, we okay. actually, yeah. we, we will visit the North side, but our friends and family live in the South and they're only about an hour and a half from our home. So nice. that is where we love to go. Yeah. yeah. Um, going back to Hawaii, I had clients that I had to cancel their trip and it's so sad because it was a really big trip for um, their parents' 50th anniversary. It was going to be a multi-generational mm-hmm. trip. Mm-hmm. And we booked it last year and then it's just, mm-hmm. they could technically go, but then they'd have to quarantine for 14 days, which you know, you're not going to go to Hawaii and then quarantine for 14 days. So it was really (laughs) sad to cancel that trip for them. Like, so I totally understand, um, what you're feeling. Yeah, that, that was actually identical to our trip too. We we had aunts and uncles, cousins, everything. It was like a reunion because when my grandparents were married 50 years, we all went out, it was about 25 years ago and it was a was going to be like a reunion trip for them and they they're they've passed but right you know just remember them and everything Aww, so. that's so sweet uh yeah i know i know so i feel you i feel, <laughs> it, yeah so many people's plans have gotten messed up so um anyway well hopefully you can go and um <laughs> tahoe is not a bad place to go as a yeah. you know a second place runner-up <laughs> Well, let's get started, Shannon. Um, how about you share with us your full name, um, where you live exactly, and um, how many kids you have and how old they are? Sure. Okay. So I'm Shannon Carpenter, and I live in a tiny town called Cool, California, and it's about um, an hour north of Sacramento in the foothills, and I have seven children. They are 10, 12, 15, 16. Ooh, what's the next one? Um, <laughs> I love it. It's going to be 20 soon. <laughs> I had to like think about that. And then a 22 year old and will be 25 as well in July. Um, and then I have three grandchildren. I have a almost one year old grandson and then a two year old granddaughter and four year old grandson. Wow. Um, yeah. So two married daughters. Yeah. That's a lot of children. You know what I mean? (laughs) I love it though. That is really great. That is awesome. I like, I like big families and stuff like that. I don't think that I was equipped to have a really huge family, but I really love it when people do and, and they seem like they can actually manage it. I I'm like, that is so cool. And just, I think it's a fun, fun experience, uh, to grow up in a big family and whatnot. So, um, 
I just think it's great. So I'm glad that you're on the show because you can really speak to many different personalities. (laughs) Oh, yes. You learn a lot about personalities with a large family for sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Okay. So how about you just jump in and just tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today in regards to homeschooling? Oh, wow. Um, so when my oldest was about three, I, um, was involved in, you know, like a little play group, like most moms do. And most of the moms there were in La Leche League actually. And, Mm. um, it's a really natural approach to parenting. And so many of them were considering homeschooling. And at the time I had my credential as a teacher in California. And so I always pictured myself working for like a private school, my kids going there and then having the summers off with them. And, just kind of, you know, raising them the way I was raised and my husband was raised. And, um, but gradually the Lord actually, you know, planted in my head and my heart to, um, look into homeschooling. And so I started to, we lived on the central coast in Santa Cruz and a lot of people were homeschooling because, you know, just that particular area, a lot of, um, parents believe in parent choice in their parenting style. And so they, they take a lot of that responsibility, um, upon themselves and do a lot of research and make those decisions, um, that what's best for their family. And so, you know, gradually I just had more and more friends around me that were homeschooling. And by the time she was five, I also couldn't imagine sending her to school. I was just like, you know, it brought tears to my eyes just to think like, oh my gosh, she's going to be away from me all day long or even half a day. And I just couldn't do it. And so, um, thankfully at that time, there was a California charter school that had just opened up And, um, I learned that I could actually work part-time and serve homeschooling families while homeschooling my own children. And, um, really it's kind of like a three quarter work at home type position Mm, as a teacher. Um, you only meet with the families once every 20 school days. So I could actually bring my kids with me. I had, um, three at the time, my oldest was five and then a three-year-old and then a baby. And so, um, I just started doing that when she was five and it just became a lifestyle for us. Yeah, that is really cool. Um, I I know that uh, you were saying before we started the recording that California is slightly different. Um, what is what's the main thing that stands out to you in regards to that for the people that do live in California? Well, about um, let's see, it's about almost thirty years ago. Um, the charter school law was passed. I think it was in Minnesota actually, and soon after that, California established their charter school law, which really was birthed out of the voucher system. I don't know if you remember that, but no, in the 80s I don't. and the parents. Okay. So there <laughs> were a lot of Christian homes or Christian school parents that were um, asking the state to give them their tax money back oh. so that they then have a voucher essentially and use it with whatever school they wanted to. Basically like parent choice approach to education. Mm. And so this was the government's way of like kind of appeasing that movement and saying, okay, well, we won't give you a voucher, but we'll allow charter schools. And then you can choose a charter school you want to enroll in. So there was like all these different options. There were homeschool charters. There were site-based charters where they were focused on maybe math and science or drama or whatever. Um, And so the charters I worked for were what they call non-classroom-based charters or homeschool charters. And 100% of the students are homeschooled, but then they meet with that credentialed teacher to kind of have that oversight of the state and uh, making sure they're meeting uh, the, the standards. But the really nice thing is they get a little portion of those state tax dollars in a little account where the teacher keeps track. But the parent can then say, you know, I want 
these books or this art curriculum or Mm. this history curriculum, and they can personalize it for their students. It has to be secular. It can't be any Christian based curriculum. Um, so most of the families, if they want Christian curriculum, they have to purchase it on their own. Mm. But, um, but over time, the really cool thing is that, um, all these vendors started, started popping up, like maybe a mom who homeschooled, um, had her degree in art and she's like, well, I could teach an art class. And so she, she then became a vendor for these charters and was able to teach a class once or twice a week of all the homeschoolers in the area. And so my kids have had horseback riding lessons Wow. with science incorporated, of course, Mm -hmm. they've had gymnastics covering PE. They've Mm -hmm. had um, art, they've had history, they've had literature unit studies where it actually covers all of the different subject areas with, you know, based on a, a piece of literature. So there's just so many different options available and it's, you know, utilizing those state tax dollars um, in kind of a more personalized way. Yeah, that is really cool. That's really a a fun concept. And, you know, the reason why I wanted to do the series is because we all got thrown into this homeschooling nightmare back in March. And I say nightmare because we didn't choose to homeschool. (laughs) So it's it's like... It wasn't like we just sat down and mulled this over and decided what curriculum to follow and ask all our friends and go to conferences and stuff like that. You know, we're just kind of like, here you go, hope for the best. And um, hopefully your kids won't be, you know, stupid by the time <laughs> you're done because it's like, uh, whoa, we weren't prepared for this. And um, I don't have a teaching background. I know that you don't have to have a teaching background to to be a homeschooling mom, but like that was never even in my thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, and so, um, so trying to like pick up where they left off in a public school was challenging, you know, cause mm-hmm. I mean, that wasn't really, that curriculum isn't really meant to be done. I feel like in a homeschooling way, you know, it's, it's taught to be in a classroom, right? Like <laughs> with more <Exactly>. children. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so with the possibility, you know, of, you know, this year going into a hybrid of some kind, or mm-hmm. um, I've heard some people who are in private schools thinking like, I don't want to be paying all this money and then we're going to be missing some schools. So should I do homeschooling and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff? Um, or the possibility of it being half days and mm-hmm. that just kind of messing up people's schedules. I mean, people may just be like, you know what, I'm just going to do homeschool. Then that way I know this is the schedule. It's not like, oh, these days they go this time and whatever. And then when you start having multiple kids, I mean, that that in itself seems like a logistical nightmare because I don't even know how do, like double income parents are going to even be able to figure that out. So I do mm-hmm. feel like homeschooling is going to be um, searched for if, on Google <laughs> way more than it ever has. And um, so, you know, I just I'm always here to um, help moms and give them information and um, provide them content that can be helpful. So I thought this would be really beneficial, you know, to listen to in the summer in case people are starting to think, well, maybe this is an option. Um, So let's jump in. And my first question to you, Shannon, is what do you recommend to moms that are, you know, just trying to figure out if homeschooling Mm -hmm. is even a good option for them? Yeah. So such a great question. And as you were talking, my brain was just like, going crazy with all these ideas. Cause I, I just love to problem solve for moms and I love to like think outside the box. Yeah. And 
first of all, it really depends on your listener's location because each state has its own independent study laws. And like I was describing, California is very unique because we offer these non-classroom-based charter schools, but um, many states don't. And so in other states, it might look like a mom who's really motivated to want to learn as much as she can, obviously starting with Googling, you know, looking at other homeschooling moms who are successful and their blogs are a great way to start. I always, you know, recommend that to a new homeschooling mom that's coming into our charters. And then if they're super motivated, I would highly recommend starting a co-op. So that just looks like you getting together with one, two, three, or four more families and organizing a way to meet once or twice a week and you study the same topics. It can be like a thematic co-op where you're all learning the same period in history and using the same curriculum, like my father's world, which is a Christian curriculum that's based on unit studies. Or it can look like each of the moms taking their favorite inspirational type you know, class that they want to teach. Like I was describing that art teacher previously. So it really, there's so many different ways you can do a co-op and there's templates and frameworks online that they can get a hold of to just kind of organize it. I'm actually putting together a little packet on how to create a co-op um, just to get mom started. And then, um, so that would be a way for a mom, like if they're really independent and leadership type minded mom, Mm-hmm. Or if it's a mom that's more like a follower, like, oh my gosh, that totally freaks me out. I can't even imagine, you know, organizing anything like that. A lot of Christian schools, I imagine, are going to be um, developing what we call independent study programs or ISPs. And this was kind of a thing of the past in California before charter schools came along. Once charter schools came along, um, kind of all the moms that were in ISPs went over to the charters and, and the ISPs closed. But basically, it's just a little branch off of a Christian school where they offer like maybe a little library for the homeschooling parents. Um, Some even offer sports programs. Like if a let's say a family joins the ISP and um, one of the kids really wants to play football at the Christian school, they'll allow them to play on the team as a homeschooler, even though they're not attending daily at that school. Yeah. Yeah. And usually there's a small fee, like 50 bucks a month or whatever it is, you know, depending. Um, but I would encourage, a, you know, I was just talking to my friend in Hawaii about this because I know a principal of a school where I used to teach. I, we lived in Hawaii for a small time and, um, I was suggesting she goes and talks to that Christian school about the ISP option because she was feeling really alone. Um, but the point is of what I'm saying is that it's so important to develop a community around you because there will be days where you want to give up. You know, there will be days like you probably experienced this past couple months. Yeah. Just you are <laughs> overwhelmed and you're like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And you need, you know, a friend or two friends or three friends to call and say, what do I do? Like, I don't want to give up. I can't give up because there's no other options for me or the options are not acceptable or whatever. And just to have that community around you, that listening ear, that person that can say, well, you know what, just put the books away today and go to the beach. Like just, you know, (laughs) just forget it for the day. It's okay. Starting in tomorrow with a fresh, you know, fresh new start, um, or whatever, but just to have that group around you, just like when you first had your first baby and you needed friends around you to let you know that it's okay that, you know, it's normal for the baby to wake up all night, you know, or whatever it is that you're starting um, but the community is so important. Yeah, that is that is good info. Um, because I know it can be kind of daunting when you just start thinking about it 
to begin with and you just don't know really you, you don't really know where to go. Um, this leads me into my next question, because I think mm-hmm. this um, moms especially have really felt this impact during COVID and quarantine. Um, and I think they think about this with homeschooling is the lack of time that they will get to themselves. You know, you think about when they go to school, you get that day um, mm-hmm. and then here's a reality check, right? With quarantine that, I mean, it's, it's more than normal. Cause I mean, you can go anywhere. So obviously homeschooling there, you know, you can go do stuff and do field trips and stuff like that. I mean, we were really stuck at home, but I can see that kind of concerning some moms and, and feeling daunting, like, okay, so I'm going to be with them all the time and I don't want to completely lose myself um, in this. So what is your thoughts on that? Like I- implementing time that the mom has some time to herself and, and not to get completely lost in this, but she still feels strongly about maybe doing homeschooling. <laughs> that is a really hard question for me because I have never experienced that. Like I'm thinking, Oh my gosh. Like I never sent my kids to school. I never, you know, so it's like right. really, so you just always hard. know what it's like to have kids all the time. <laughs> yes. And I actually don't like not having kids around. Like when we, you know, hence why you probably have seven, you're like, I, and now you have grandkids. You're like, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. We're so used to it. It feels very Weird. lonely. Yeah. I'm sure. I yeah. know. I know. But I would say that what is most important is having that quiet time. Like as a believer, I think it's so important to wake up before your kids wake up. And I know when you have littles, it's almost impossible to do that. My, my youngest is 10 now. So I get a good chunk of quiet time in the morning before anybody wakes up. Everyone sleeps in. We're late night people. So, Mm. you know, I'll get up at seven and have a good hour before people even start waking up. And so it's a wonderful time, but it's, it really is so important to have even 15 minutes of quiet time, just with reading a verse and just praying and just, you know, praying over your day, praying over your kids, praying over your family, just to rejuvenate your, your soul really. And, um, if you're not a believer, just go out and sit on the porch or whatever, just yeah. to take in the quiet and breathe in, breathe out deeply. Um, exercise is another thing that's important. You can do that with your kids. If you know, if you don't have time to do that alone, um, go on a walk or wherever you live, you know, if it's too hot here to go on a walk right now, it's like going to be a hundred degrees here today. Um, but you know, do whatever you can to get 20 minutes in. Sometimes I do like fidget size where if I'm waiting for the water to boil, I'll just do like five minutes of arm lifts and mm, leg yeah. lifts, um, just to fit it in because it's really important to stay fit and be healthy, um, to, you know, to, to have that peace of mind. Um, and then the, the last thing I was thinking about is that this is a lifestyle and it's really important to get on board with your husband or your partner, whoever, whoever is you're partnering with to yeah. raise these children. It's so important, um, whether it's weekly or monthly to even have a 15 minute conversation about your calendar, about stresses that are happening right now in the family. Um, anything coming up that you feel is going to be a huge roadblock for you. Um, even challenges with academics, you need to be discussing these things continuously. Don't let them build up. And those are, yeah, those are the three things. So quiet time exercise and making sure you communicate with your, with your partner that you're doing this with. Yeah. Right. And, and possibly to give you the time when they get home or something to just give you, you know, if if it to be go work out or go see a girlfriend and stuff like that, um, you know, just to have your own time. So I do think that's important. Um, Right. So what we do is like on, 
not, I wouldn't say we're religious about this, but pretty much on Sundays, it's more of our quiet day. And so my husband and I will look at our calendar coming up. And so that's when I would, you know, if I've had like a particularly stressful week, I'll be like, you know, is it okay if, you know, I go out with, you know, my oldest daughter or whatever, we go get our nails done or whatever it is. And we just schedule that. And so that's part of that communicating with the person that you're that you're raising these kids with. Yeah, that is a good idea. Uh, another thing that stands out to me um, is organizing your space in your home um, mm-hmm. and kind of figuring out what works best. Because, you know, I, I think the thing is, and the one thing that I dealt with when everybody was now home, including my husband, it's just okay, the house is starting to look like a tornado has come through here because just everything felt like everywhere. And and again, we weren't really set up for this initially. And so like having to get computers and running wires and all that kind of stuff and putting them in places that really that's not where we would ever put them. So if being intentional about all of this, um, what is your thoughts on that? Um, so that, you know, you feel calm about your space and not feeling chaotic and, and what have you found that works the best in regards to organizing spaces to do the homeschooling? Yeah. So I'm a big believer in doing what works for you. I love looking at tips and Pinterest and what have you on what other people are doing, but sometimes it doesn't work for you. So definitely, um, I would say that a mom should look at what they did when they they had toddlers, you know, did they do baskets for their toys? Did they put them away in their cup? You know, some moms, like baskets out, some moms like everything put away, right? So it's just kind of your personality style. Check into that, like figure out what works, what brings peace to you. You know, for me, what's worked really well is every one of my kids has like these, you know, those fabric boxes that are like 12 by 12. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everyone has one of those and I like things put away. So they're in a cupboard but they have their label. Mm. And so if I see something out instead of like getting on that kid, like put your stuff away, I just take it and put it in their box and they have oh. to figure out how to organize their box when it's overflowing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So that, yep. That's something that I do because I'm a big believer also in not sweating the small stuff. And it can be, you know, there's a lot of small stuff that you can sweat about when you have your kids at home all day. Yeah. So, you know, and when you start being the person in charge of their academics, you can lose a little bit of that love in your relationship if you're not mm-hmm. careful. Yeah. Because you're kind of getting on them about their spelling and their writing and their math. And they're like, mom, like, why are you getting on me all day long? So it's good <laughs> to kind of figure out what you can let go and what things, you know, are really important to you. And so I recommend the box for me that works really well. And it goes in a cupboard. So it's put away. And then each child of mine has a three ring binder because I find it's really easy and they have tabs for pockets with pockets. I mean, and so it's really easy. Like if there's loose papers around, I can have them either put it in the three ring binder or I just put it in the tab where it goes. If it's an English paper, I just put it right in the little um, folder in the tab. And, um, and then that goes right in their box. So So are you saying like there's a folder? within inside mm-hmm. the binder. So you're hole punching the folder. Is that what you mean? So, you know, the little tabs. So each yeah. tab has a subject, Bible, English, yeah. math, yeah. history, science on okay. the tab itself. There is a little folder inside. So you can put papers, loose papers that oh, maybe are okay. three ring punched. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so if it's not three ring punched, I can just put it right in there and they can organize it later if they want to, or it can just stay there. It's fine. Um, so each one has a three ring binder. They're about an inch and a half. And that will hold hold at least a semester's worth of work. And then at the semester, like once or twice a year, we'll clean it out if we need to, depending on the age, you know, how many papers they have. 
Um, and that system seems to work really well for us. I have four that I'm homeschooling right now. They all do math on the computer. So they share it. They rotate because I'm like you, I did not want four laptops. <laughs> yeah, that would be a lot. <laughs> That's a lot of I, IT to manage. <laughs> well, and we tried that one year and it was like two would be broken, two oh, would be yeah. working. They would lose their discs for their math. So now yeah. I have one cupboard. It was from Wayfair. I bought it. It's one cupboard and it's one of those like um, where the front um folds down. And so it becomes a desk oh, and then cool. you fold it back up. Yep. So it is super messy in there. Yeah. But you're like, nobody <laughs> when sees you open it. it up, <laughs> but when company's coming, I just close it and it's done. Like nobody sees anything. I love it. And so I find that works really well. And I keep all, they use teaching textbooks, the discs still, cause I don't want them getting distracted online. And so they have all their teaching textbooks, discs right there. They have one laptop and then they just rotate. So mm using the computer. One is using the piano. One is in another room reading and then they just I see. Okay. That's yeah. a good, yeah. And I'm glad you kind of described that so that people could understand that with multiple kids. Um, I was going to ask you too, do you feel like um, with having just, you know, one laptop though, that is there ever a time that you do feel like, okay, this would have been good if we had maybe two or has it really worked out just to have the one? Because they just do math online or oh, right yeah, now, yeah. Um, the one is plenty. It takes them about 45 minutes to do their math lesson. And we have other computers that if they wanted to do like they Google searches yeah. or, you know, play a video game or whatever. And we have, you know, an iPad and, right. you know, how yeah. it is. Everyone yeah. has a million different devices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't necessarily, so is that really the only main homeschooling station then that you would say yes. that? Okay. Um, yes. Yeah. And see, that's what's challenging. So when we were trying to do all our schoolwork, both of my girls had to be on the computer and I had a kindergartner, which she wasn't right. used to being on the computer all the time. And she had to learn how to do all of that, use a mouse, oh man, mm -hmm. minimize windows, all this kind of thing. And then I had to kind of navigate. And so they both were on right. at the same time which then I had to create a little table with two computers again. So that's why I was saying uh -huh. that I was having to make a space that normally computers wouldn't be existing in that space. Right. Um, but I can see how yours has, you know, worked for you and having that desk come out and then you can put it back in. That does simplify things. That's good to, you know, as well for people who have smaller spaces that are, don't have, um, if they're living in a, an apartment or in a, in a town that, you know, it's very expensive to have a large space. Mm -hmm. I like that compartmentalizing and stuff like that. Um, so yeah. going along with that kind of craziness, um, mm -hmm. you know, and just like clutter and all that. Okay. I wanted to ask you, does your binder, do the binders go into their cubbies or does the binders go somewhere else? So if I had a picture, I would show you, we have these adorable 1930s little desks and in under the seat, there's a hole. And so their binders actually go in the hole under their seat um, for the school year. And then their extra things go in there in that cupboard that I was describing before. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I have a big giant chalkboard in my kitchen. It just kind of worked out that way. It did, for yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where do you put all your little desks? Where do those go? They're right in front of the chalkboard in the dining room. In the dining room. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there, so your chalkboard's in the kitchen and then your desk are in the dining room, but you can see obviously the chalkboard. It's, it's all an open concept. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kitchen, dining room. Okay. Yeah. So how many mm -hmm. little desks do you have? Three. Okay. Yeah. So, so you made your dining room kind of that makeshift area. 
Yes, it's big enough still to have our table. We oh, just have gotcha. an okay. extra large area that okay. it just out. Yeah, yeah, it just works out. Okay, cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I just want people to kind of understand. Um, yeah, that's kind of how our, our great room's big. <laughs> but then there's a table with computers that normally would not be there. But I'm like, whatever. I'm yes. like, they need to go somewhere. <laughs> um, exactly. Yeah, yeah, used to it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wanted to ask you too. Um, I think when it comes to creating routines, I think that was a big thing that I learned um, mm-hmm. with them being home. And it's so it was so easy, right? Especially at the beginning to be like, yeah, you know, this is fun, like, just chilling and do whatever. And then you're like, this is not going to work. Like, so right. and then plus two for for us living in Tennessee, they had not given us um, work yet. So when we went, um, it was quite early. March six was our first day of not having school. And then we had a whole week and then it went into spring break. So we had two weeks of like, we're not doing school. So we did get to have that experience. And then once the school stuff started coming, I was like, okay, there needs to be a routine. Um, so what is your suggestions on coming up with schedules and creating routines mm-hmm. if it be daily, um, and weekly or even monthly? Yeah. Again, I think it really depends on the mom, you know, it really has to fit her personality because I tell you when I first started homeschooling, I read a lot of books that really emphasized, um, rigid schedules, like by the 30 minutes. And so Mm -hmm. when I try to implement that though, with a baby and a toddler and a couple, you know, elementary school age kids, it was so challenging. And I felt, I call myself the Nazi mom. I mean, it was (laughs) All I was yeah. doing was telling, you know, kids to stop this and start that, stop this and start that. And it was fine for my children that are more compliant, but my ones that are, you know, more leadership style personalities, oh, yeah. appreciate it. They wanted to be in charge. And so, um, for us, it, it kind of like loosened up and our rhythm or routine that I like to call it, um, is more just like casual and oh, here's the other thing too. It really depends on your husband because my husband is very spontaneous Oh yeah, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not mm-hmm. naturally yeah. and he works from home. And so there would be days where he would be like, you know, to my son, like, Josh, come out here and see this lizard. And I just got him focused on math or whatever. <laughs> You're like, like, he's on his 30 minute timetable. <laughs> <laughs> 25 minutes left or whatever. And so I just had to learn by trial and error that that was not going to work for us. Um, so more of a routine or rhythm works for us. We just, you know, I let my kids sleep in because again, I want my quiet time in the morning. I'm not going to like set an alarm and get them up. They usually start coming, you know, getting up, coming downstairs around eight or nine o'clock. And then we have breakfast. They're old enough now to get their own breakfast though. Right. So usually, you know, I'll get it for them or they'll get it. And then they start, they have a lot of independent school. We use Alpha Omega life packs currently. And, um, so they'll get out their life packs and go through, their regular core independent curriculum and their math. And again, they rotate, like I was saying, so whoever's finished first starts math and then they start piano and reading silently. And then by lunchtime, we're all grouped together. Again, we do all of our meals together. And in the afternoon, if everyone's done, we'll go to the park today. Some people are going down to the river. So we may go down to the river and meet some other homeschooling families. Um, we have a pool in our community. Once that opens up, we'll be going to the pool. Um, so that's pretty much our day. And then we usually have dinner around the same time. Our, I like to see our meal times are our anchors. So I'll start there like nine o'clock breakfast, 12 o'clock lunch, six o'clock dinner, snack around three. And we use those as anchors throughout the day. And we try to like motivate 
you know, gearing towards those anchors, like let's finish school by lunch. Let's finish our afternoon electives by snack so we can go to the park. Um, or you can have media time at four if you finish this. So those are the kinds of things that I'll find myself saying. And those are the motivations that keep them going through the day. Yeah, that is really good. And I like having the anchors as um, meal times. And I cannot imagine my children sleeping until nine. So I'm like, wow, um, <laughs> my kids are already asking for their snack at that time. I'm like, yeah, they get up at seven. So <laughs> do you guys go to bed fairly early? They do. I mean, eight o'clock. I mean, but they're six and nine. Okay. So um, yeah. I mean, I yeah. don't think I would want them up at nine. I mean, I know there's probably a lot of people who are like, oh, my kids are sleeping or go to bed at nine or 10. For me, I like to go to bed earlier, wake up earlier. So if yeah. I'm going to get up earlier than them, then I have to go to bed so <laughs> I can get up. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. For and sure. they are, I mean, they are on it. Like I go into, um, like a room downstairs and the door that I am in, it's like French doors, but it squeaks. Yeah. I'm telling you, like, it's, like 7 a.m. and my six-year-old, I hear that. Like, I can tell you like what time is it? Because I'm like, I hear the door opening. Yes. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I'll say to her, I'm like, you know, you can sleep in. If you want to sleep in, you can sleep in. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's funny. Family is so unique. And yeah. again, going back to my husband, he's a night owl. Yeah. And so it's not unusual for him to say, oh, let's watch a movie at nine o'clock, you know, oh, at night. Yeah. So, yeah. That makes a difference. You know, yes. I yeah. kind of just go, okay, it is, they're going to sleep in in the morning, but no yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that works out too, as you have homeschooling, yeah. you know, where you really can't do that. I mean, you can, you technically can do it if they go to school, but it, it, they might pay the price the next morning exactly. when they have to get up really early. So yes. Yeah, um, sure. Anyway, well, Shannon, um, we're closing this episode out. Um, and um, this is really fun um, doing this part one with you. And I can't wait to talk to you next week for part two, where we're going to uh, discuss a little bit more about getting involved in homeschooling communities, um, mm -hmm. supplemental classes and personalized learning. And I'm going to also pick your brain too on which curriculum you guys have actually gone with and, and why. So thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Hey, you guys, have you subscribed to the Mom Inspired Show email list yet? If you want to have discounts sent to your email and links to the books we discuss on the show, as well as all the guests information, then you will want to subscribe. That way, every episode will show up in your inbox every Tuesday and you won't have to go searching for the newest episode. It will be right at your fingertips. So just go to mominspiredshow.com and scroll down and enter your name and email and you will be all set. See you next week.